0: Why you need to compartmentalize your RV. This is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer podcast, delivering the smarts you need to enjoy the freedom of the RV lifestyle without the fear of breaking down. All right, everybody, we're in July. July is upon us. Summer is moving right along. We're seeing high prices on fuel, inflation, inflation. But it seems to me everybody's still using their RV at some level or another. So if you can, come to Montana. Check this state out. I know it's probably going to be a little more expensive, but it's worth the trip. If you can cut back on something to help offset the price of the gasoline or diesel or food, whatever it might be. I know the United States is in some turmoil right now. But Montana's still here. It's still an awesome state. There's tons of wildlife to see here. Rivers, mountains. I mean, this place is just awesome. I'm gonna talk about it a little bit more later on in the show in the next stop section. Gonna focus on Montana and just some things that you need to know. I mean, things that I'm still learning about this state. So come to Montana. And, you know, an RV is still a pretty inexpensive way to travel. You know, you take your house with you. It's comfortable. Yeah, you might have some problems. But overall, RVing is a great way to travel, get away, enjoy a weekend. It's your house. You know, it's, it's your place. It makes it comfortable. It's nice. You know, it's better than staying in a motel or a hotel And, you know, I've stayed in motels that have cockroaches running across the floor, and I've stayed in hotels that, you know, five-star service. But there's still nothing better than your own home, at least in my mind, how I see it. All right, so living the RV life. So the question today is, is retirement in an RV the lifestyle for you? So if you're going to retire, would that retirement be comfortable in an RV? Could you do it? Is it something you've considered? Well, you know, many people do retire in RVs, but you know, it's a lifestyle that you have to really think about because, you know, sometimes people will sell everything they own without really experiencing it at a full-time scale at any level. And you really should do that first if you possibly can. So if you're retiring I wouldn't recommend selling everything and moving into an RV until you know you can do it. You know, think about that, selling everything you own. Now, I know a guy, his name is Leo, used to work for me when we were in Arizona. And when he retired, him and his wife, they already knew they were going to live in their RV. So they sold their house and they sold, you know, almost all their possessions. He said when they had their yard sale trying to get rid of stuff, I mean, it was like a can of nails, a box of screws. I mean, anything they had, anything and everything was up for sale, and they sold it all. So you have to let go of everything, and for some people, it's hard. I mean, you know, like me, moving from Arizona to Montana, You know, at my shop at home had a lot of equipment in it, and and in stuff that I use every day and I, I got rid of that stuff some of it I threw away some of it I sold you know gave away then when I got up here I didn't want to have to start over but I know that I'm I have bought some stuff that I got rid of and there's little things that were handy to have around that are no longer here that you know you kind of work around so an R- living in an RV full time can be the same way because you really don't want to have a storage unit with a bunch of stuff in it right especially if you're going to be gone or on the road traveling and when you do this, you know, you got to buy the right RV the first time. You really don't want to be skipping from RV to RV. You want to get the RV that's going to work, and you have to really think about this type of stuff. How much? How many belongings are you know? What belongings are you going to keep and take with you on the road? Are you going to pull a? If you let's say you have a Class A motorhome, are you going to get a enclosed trailer that'll hold a car and then some other possessions? You have to think about that, and it's a big process and you know leo the person i was talking about earlier he ended up buying a house in arizona and then a house back in i think it was wisconsin where he lived originally you know he kind of went back to that house thing which is okay because he spent a lot of time in arizona and a lot of time back in wisconsin so having a house made sense and then the rv well actually he changed and bought a camper that was you know uh, in bed camper So traveling back and forth became easier. So then he had made some adjustments on the road. And you're almost going to have to do that. You know, you're probably going to make some adjustments someplace. Because if you find a place you really want to be in the, let's say, the wintertime, you're probably going to buy a house there. It would make more sense. So make sure that you have the funds available as well. If you're going to live out on the road in an RV, You know, make sure that it's the lifestyle that you can do and talk to people who have done it, you know, get their stories, their experiences, the, the challenges they faced because, you know, I'm not at that point in my life and I don't think I would ever retire an RV. It's not for me, but for a lot of people it is, but just make sure that if you're uh, contemplating this, that it's a decision that you can make and lived with and if you decide down the road that it's not for you make sure you have the assets to buy a house someplace don't force yourself into an rv for the rest of your life that could be a very bad decision so think about that kind of stuff talk to other people get the facts you know quite often with rving we we make we can jump into a situation cuz it sounds really good you know it sounds very romantic you know it's we romanticize it And then in reality, it can be jumping into a bucket of, you know what, it just isn't right sometimes. So we have to proceed with caution. That's a lot of things we do in life too. You know, sometimes we just don't, maybe we don't want to know the truth. Maybe we don't really want to face the facts, but we have to do it. And so an RV is definitely an RV lifestyle is definitely a choice we make and we have to take it in a balanced fashion. So that's the RV lifestyle now staying on the road. So this is for the RV owner, the guy who wants to keep his RV on the road. And this is an important part of the show. This is my favorite, as I always say. So in case you don't know, I have a brick and mortar retail store. A lot of the content of this show comes from just people I talk to on the phone or that come into the store. And you know I got people calling me from All over the United States, I get emails from different parts of the world, you know, people coming into the store that literally come by here to see us and talk to us who listen to the show. They don't even live in Montana. So we have people that, that trust what I'm saying. And that's, like I said, that's where my content comes from. A lot of it staying on the road now comes from that. So last night, in fact, I had some other illustrations I was going to use, some experiences for this section of the show, because this is where the containers come in, compartmentalizing your RV. So in other words, putting it in containers. Now let me explain why I'm talking about this. So just last night, I mean, this guy called perfect timing because I already had other stuff set up. So now I'm going to use this example. So a customer calls me, actually He called earlier in the day. I was too busy and, um, Alexis took a message. So I call him back and the message was all about a water heater, a hundred percent about an Atwood water heater, nothing more on the notes. So I'm talking to the customer, you know, we're talking about a circuit board, um, no spark gas valve bad. And so I'm listening to this person. He said, okay, so it sounds like maybe the circuit board is bad from what you're saying, so bring it in, and I can test it. You know, I knew he was local by his phone number. And he says, okay, no problem. So, so now in the water heater, it has a big hole in the tank. It froze this winter. Now, it took him five minutes to get to that with all the other stuff he included in that, how he bought the RV, how it wasn't winterized properly, how they said they drained it, how they did it, how they did this. I mean, I couldn't even follow it. But also there's a hole in the water heater. He said, so, well, if you have a hole in the tank on an Atwood water heater that you can put a fist through, I'd say the water heater is no good. It's not something you can weld up. And you're not going to need a circuit board anymore. He says, oh, no. Well, the circuit board has nothing to do with the water heater. So what do you mean? Um, That's what we were talking about. He says, no, that's the refrigerator. He goes, we're talking about at least four different things right now. You just don't know it. (laughs) And he was right. I didn't know it. He needs a water heater. He's got a problem with his refrigerator. And somewhere in this conversation, we were talking about his black water holding tank. And there was something else that I couldn't even figure out. So now for him, he's looking at his, his RV. It's like, he's sitting in the center of it and he's just seeing problems everywhere. And I'm not knocking him at all for explaining things the way he did because he's got all these issues going on, and they're all big, too. Water heater's not working. There's a problem with the holding tanks, The refrigerator's not working. Pretty big problems, you know. It's not like a light bulb's out, and um, the rug is, you know, the corner of the rug's peeling up. You know, it's not like that. Big things here. They're all important things to have working in your RV. In this case, he's kind of talking about everything all at once, where on the other side of the coin, sometimes I get people that, they'll ask a question about the refrigerator. And before I can even answer it, they're asking about the awning. And before we can even get into that, now they're ask, talking about maybe the holding tanks and getting rid of odors in it. And then, bam, there's another question. And all of a sudden, there's four or five things on the table that we haven't even been able to discuss. And as you go back and try to take the first one, you know the customer might take you back into the second, third, or fourth, or fifth one. And so you're all over the board. So it's really hard to have a conversation like that and help somebody. And I think you can imagine that. And that's where compartmentalizing comes in. It's staying on track. And so I've given this a lot of thought, Um, you know, because in my business, it's customer service. We try our hardest. And I'll tell you, sometimes we fail because we don't understand a situation or it's just something that we cannot accommodate. That happens sometimes, but we try our hardest. We answer our phones. We call people. We have questions about orders. We contact them. Every Amazon order we get, we send the customer a message verifying what that, that what they ordered is correct. So we go out of our way to try to help people make sure they get the right thing, the right answer. And you don't find that in the world today. I mean, like even Amazon, you know, I don't even consider them part of the RV industry and I wish nobody would shop for RV parts on Amazon, and I'm serious about that because there's no customer service there, and quite often the small business selling on Amazon gets hammered because of Amazon's lack of customer service. It's all about just giving you your money back, and that's it, and it doesn't help the situation, not at all. We try to help, and I guess that's the point. I'm getting a little off track here like I always do, but We're trying to accommodate everybody, but sometimes it's really hard to do because customer service is going by the wayside today. and I think all of you experience that. That's where thinking about this, pondering this situation and how people are sometimes. And, you know, I I think about our store. We have powwows about customer service, and sometimes I get these looks like, Eric, you're crazy. You know, it's just not going to work that way because I have expectations, and we have to meet them. And I learned that from my father. He had expectations in his business with his employees, and he has always known about customer service. That's, people loved him for that. And that's just something I've grabbed onto, and I think it's very important. I, I ponder these types of things. So, okay, looking at it, how can we help the customer when we're in their situations? And that's where compartmentalizing comes up. Now, if you take your RV, you know, let's just pretend it's a big box now. So you're looking at it. Like I said about the the guy on the phone, he's like sitting in the middle of his RV, just looking at all of his problems. So if you sit there and just, you know, mentally sit in the middle of your RV or physically, and you're looking at everything in the RV and you're imagining, you can see through the walls, you can see the wiring, the insulation, the, the framing, the, the, the staples that hold the framing together, you know, if you imagine all that with problems you know, the plumbing vents, the roofing vents, the appliances. If you imagine it all and you're sitting here thinking, oh, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? What about when this fails? What about when that fails? Man, your head will explode. You can't do that. You have to just look at it. It's a box and it has, as I call, containers. It's, you know, you compartmentalize it. You take the container, you put it here. So everything should be a bunch of containers. Visualize your RV as that. It's a big box filled with containers. So each container can be a system. For example, the fresh water system can be a large container that holds smaller containers. The smaller containers can be items like the faucets, the showers, you know, a small container containing the water pump and the filter that's on the water pump. Or the Water filters in general can be in the same container as a water pump. But when you break it down that way, it makes it easier to look at your RV. So now you got this big box filled with containers. And so you can pick out containers and you can move them around. You can do whatever you want with them. Your focus should be on one container at a time. Even if you have six problems, 10 problems, two problems, Generally, they're not related unless your refrigerator isn't working and your battery happens to be dead and you're not plugged into shore power. Now that could be a relation, you know, but it's still two different containers. It's just, they have a connection between them, but not every connection or not every container in your RV has a connection to the next one. And so it's isolating containers or appliances or systems ever, how you want to look at it, which you know, that's the point here is looking at it properly and separating them and not bringing them together. And one of the things that I experience, um, trying to help the RVers with their problems is things get so blended together and I understand why. In fact, I find myself sometimes, let's may, say it's a problem at my house and I call up one of my buddies who maybe he's an electrician and you know, I got this odd electrical problem that I just can't, you know, isolate or or solve myself. So I call someone and, you know, I start going on about this and that and it's like, whoa, Eric, you know, slow down. You got to just talk about this. So I I find myself doing it where I I blend things together. And what I mean by that is let's say it's an RV, the interior lights do not work, whether it's plugged in or not plugged in. So you're either on 12 volts or you're on shore power and the interior lights don't work. You know, to me, it's a battery problem, right? That's the starting point for me. But what I get from a lot of people is, you know, it has got to be the 110 volts because the lights are 110 volts. And you, then I try to explain, no, the lights are 12 volts. They work off the battery. And then there's this insistence that they're 110 volts. Then when you get past that, it's still trying to blend the two systems together. And ultimately, they are separate systems. They belong in their own container. There are a couple paths where they might cross like at the converter, but you can isolate it pretty quickly and get them separated out again. And it's important to do that because if you keep crossing or connecting containers together or systems in an RV, when they shouldn't be, it makes the diagnosing process much harder to do. It actually makes it harder to explain. And for a guy like me, it makes it harder to understand. And so sometimes you walk into a store and you're explaining this or you're talking to the service writer and they're looking at you like you're nuts. And they treat you like you're nuts. And you look at the service or the invoice where they write, oh, yeah, um, 110 volts causing lights to not work. You know, that's a service writer who couldn't, he didn't even listen to what you said. He didn't even try to reason with you. You know, then there has to be all this expl- explanation to the technician who he's not going to get it. Then you pick up your RV, you're probably still have the same problem because there's a lack of understanding and communication. And it's important that you get the RV people to understand your problem. And it's important that we understand the problem. So we have to work at it as well. We have to help you with those containers. And also by looking at containers, for example, the 110 volt system versus the 12 volt, it's two separate containers they should never be put together cuz they really don't cross over as i said just like the fresh water system it's its own container maybe it's a big container with smaller containers in it like i said earlier with the faucets and the showers you know shower faucets where the black water or the the sanitation side of the system, water system should be in its own container I know some of the catalogs that we use to find parts like um, pea traps and things like that are in the fresh water section. And to me, they should be in the sanitation section because they're not fresh water. Once the water hits that, it's not fresh water, but I kind of see it It attaches to a sink. The sink is more on the fresh water side. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard to separate it, but that's what helps make things make sense. And when you're looking at your RV, you know, you can't see through the the walls you can't see if the wiring is deteriorating in the walls if the insulation is just flaking off and literally just flaking off and falling into the ceiling or the walls you can't see any of that but you know what that's something you don't need to worry about my experience with rvs is that they very rarely have wiring issues the wires are built into the walls when they build the rv and that's it it's done occasionally you know a technician Somebody working in an RV might just put a screw in someplace and hit a wire in a wall. It's very rare. But that could happen. But that's just one of those things that if it happens, it happens. But I wouldn't sit there and worried about this container, you know, the 110-volt electrical system, and opening the lid, trying to look and peek. Is everything okay? I'm worried about this. Don't worry about it. There's nothing you can do about it. The wires are built into the wall and typically you don't have problems. And I bring this up because quite often that's what someone says, an outlet quits working and do you think it's a broken wire? And you know, my response is no, it's probably the outlet's bad. You know, if, if, or the breakers, you know, popped or something, but it's not a wire, you know, if the wire is broken, it would be right at the breaker. It'd be right at the outlet or something. You know, maybe it got hot, bad connection. But a wire generally doesn't just break in the middle of an RV, you know, in a wall, just like they don't in your house. They use the same Romex in an RV as they do your house. Maybe it's not the exact same, but same principle. 12-volt wiring is the same way. It doesn't just break. 12-volt wiring, 110-volt wiring, lasts for decades. In fact, you know, people come with old RVs, and they're replacing all their lights and stuff. Maybe they're remodeling it, and... The wiring's fine. They just leave it. They use it because there's nothing wrong with it. Take your containers and the ones you need to deal with, they should be at the top of the box. The containers of of things like wiring that you can't control, even plumbing, you know, for the most part, the lines in an RV are fine. It's the connections that are the problem. Occasionally you get lines that fail, ones that are soft, um, reinforced um, vinyl for flexible lines. Um, There's some, you know, there's definitely some problems there you have to be aware of. But overall, most of your PEX line is going to be is fine. It's just, the, it's just the connections. So that's where a container, the toilet goes in the container because that connection going to the water valve on the toilet is where the problem's going to be. You know, if it's part of the fresh water line system. So I hope this makes sense, breaking things up that way. Because it makes, you can take certain things that are important, keep them to the top. You know, the the refrigerator's in a container, the water heater's in a container. And, you know, sometimes you have to just replace the entire water heater, the entire refrigerator. So that relieves some stress, but sometimes it's just a matter of replacing parts to get it going, like a furnace. Quite often people want to replace the whole furnace, and you don't need to do that. Generally, you can repair a furnace forever. It might seem ridiculous putting money into it but the furnace is there it's built in it works and quite often you can't get the same furnace to go back in there might be some uh, modifications you have to make so look at the container for what it is it's the furnace let's just keep the furnace working rather than replace it refrigerators and water heaters are easier to replace than a furnace because you can generally get something that fits right back in the hole hooks up real easy So your entire RV, the roof can be a big container with smaller containers in it, you know, such as the vents, you know, the, the exit vents, the, the ventilation vents, the plumbing vents, the rubber roof portion of it can be a container. For example, maintain the rubber roof. You know, that's your focus. Now, when you're doing that, if you're washing it and cleaning it and, um, putting uv protection on it you might catch some things up on the roof that need to be maintained this another container like a a roof vent needs to uh, have some new uh, lap sealant put around it because it looks like there's some cracks and that's preventative maintenance you know the lighting the uh, exterior lights big container tail lights might be a smaller container clearance lights another container i hope you get this and i'm sure well it makes sense to me just keep it compartmentalized. So when you're talking to somebody at the RV shop, the RV store, it's going to make more sense to them when you're talking about a specific thing and don't blend it all together. Start the conversation with, hey, I got three problems here. And the first one I want to talk about is the water heater and stay on the water heater. Now, if the technician says or the parts guy says, hey, you know, um, what are your other problems? And he might ask that just to see if there's any relationship whatsoever. Then if he's, okay, all right, I'm just going to make a note of those, but let's go back to your water heater and stay on that. That's the focus and let him ask questions. Don't bog him down with too much data because remember he's putting all this data in a container. He's got to make it fit and make sense of it. So stick to what's important. And it's also when you're talking to your friends or your spouse about your RV. Because maybe you're looking for some input. If you're keeping it containered or, or compartmentalized, it's going to be easier to explain things to others, especially if you're seeking some assistance. So we're going to leave it there. Compartmentalize your RV. Don't try to explain everything at once. Everything is a container. Every system belongs in a container. And you might have to have multiple, a big container with smaller containers, multiple big containers, which you will. But just keep it all separate. It's going to make more sense to you. It's going to be easier to digest it all and you'll probably get better sleep at night, not worrying about things you don't need to and getting help is going to come much easier. Now, the next stop, I want to talk about Montana for just a moment. This last weekend, my wife and I, we took our mountain bikes out and we were actually on the continental divide trail. We hadn't been there before. Been by it, drove over it, but we went out on the trail. And, you know, it really made me start thinking about um, not just Montana, but other places like where you live or maybe where you like to go And I mean, if you live in Los Angeles, you know, you got to definitely get out of the city to enjoy anything. But it made me think about my wife and I, because lately we've been doing these local trips, you know, just day trips in some cases where we take our bikes and we go Riding for a you know a certain amount of time, and then we spend a certain amount of time exploring that general area, looking for other places where we can ride our bicycles. And a lot of that entails overlanding or four wheel drives because you know we have a truck and it's set up um, to go off roading, and it also has some bike racks that I built to hold the bikes and. You can pretty much take that truck anywhere on a dirt road, rock road, and those bikes aren't going anywhere. So it works out real good. We enjoy doing that. It's a nice way to get out exploring, especially living here. You know, we lived in other places, you know, you take the RV and then go out from there. But here we're like in the middle of this, you know, area where there's so much to do. And that's kind of my point is, and I, I know you guys do this. It's, it's, um, maybe you do it without even thinking about it, but it maybe some of you don't, but explore the areas where you're at. You know, if you go out for the weekend in your RV and, I don't know, you drive 300 miles or 200 miles to get out of the city, you know, and then you're up in, let's just go Southern California, you're up in the Big Bear Mountains, you know, and there's the place you always go. And you kind of do the same thing. You know, you go there, you maybe go hiking, backpacking, or boating, or just wander around the shops in Big Bear City, whatever it might be broaden that out see what else there is to do is there horseback riding is there river rafting is there something else you could do Are there's some trails that you could just drive on a regular you know in a two-wheel drive vehicle you know and go exploring you know sometimes there's trails that are just take you absolutely gorgeous places where you can get to in just a two-wheel drive car you know case in point my wife and I found this place um, I call it the Green Valley I don't know what it's called but you get down in there it's just from up top, looking down, it's just this beautiful green valley. And you get down in there, and you see the colors, the flowers. They're yellow, purple. You know, it looks like lakes of, of yellow, lakes of purple. It's just awesome looking, you know. And is just by spending a few extra minutes. And sometimes it's like, eh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. But, you know, you start seeing different things, and it can make the trip so much more worthwhile. So check it out. Go beyond what you normally do and and explore around the area that you like going to. And that's what I've been doing. That's what made me think about this is just there's so much to see, and we're finding all these great places. And we're not even talking to anybody we know anymore about where to go. We're just going to find them. We're going to find these awesome places. Okay, so do that. Next time you go someplace, do some more exploring than normal you might be amazed at what you find. doesn't have to be outdoors, even in a, a town, these small towns. It could be anywhere. Widen out a little bit. Do a little more exploring. Okay, so now RV Envy. RV Envy is generally we're talking about products, modifications, things that make your RV a little bit better. And you know, it's RV Envy because technically they could make someone envious of it. And you know, we're not pushing envy, you know, that's not really right, but you know, you get the picture here. So having a cool RV with the the nice stuff on it and it doesn't have to be a big giant RV. It could be a small comfortable RV. It's just dialed in for you. And one of the things that I keep hearing about is people wanting to buy two generators to run their RV air conditioner. And you don't have to, the micro air soft start solves that issue. You can run a an RV air conditioner on one two thousand watt generator. That's two thousand continuous running watts. And you know the way they name generators, you have to be careful what you buy. You know it could say twenty five hundred, but it doesn't mean it's twenty five hundred watts. You know you got to watch that. You got to see what the running watts are. That's what's important. But a micro air soft start solves that problem. And we have them on our website. We have them in stock all the time. We install these things all the time and they work. So you don't have to have the two small generators connected to each other. You don't have to have the one big generator. So you get down to one small generator, thus eliminating one other small generator and a headache to get rid of. So you got one generator now, a small one, easy to handle, easier to maintain, more efficient on fuel. And the Micro Air soft starts work. In fact, they work so well. Coleman has come out with one. Demetic's coming out with one. Everybody's knocking it off. These guys have had a good run, but it's coming to an end. Well, I shouldn't say an end. They're going to have some serious competition now. But Micro Air, I mean, we trust them. We've talked to them. I mean, time or in, you know, we talked to them many, many times every question we have, they answer before we ever stocked them. I started, you know, talking to them about them. And before I ever talked to him about, uh, talked about them on the show, we've, you know, tested them. They work. It's an awesome product. So if you have any questions about it, you can call me or go to our website. I have to think of the name of it, Arizona RV And the micro soft starts are there. I'll put a link to them on the, in the, uh, show notes on our podcast website, the under this episode, which happens to be 103, which I didn't mention at the beginning of the show, episode number 103. And if you need to call me, the phone number is on our website. And also you can use the contact us page there to send me an email. So, I want to hear from you too about anything to doing with your RV. I love that using his content. In fact, I was going through notes yesterday and I got a bunch of stuff I need to mention, um, shout outs and such. So, hopefully, I can get to that next show. There's a lot of stuff always going on here. Um, we're always busy, but we get the show done. So, this is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer podcast. It has been great hanging out with you guys today. So if I don't see you on the road, if you don't come by my store in the month of July or hit Montana in the month of July, then we will see you another time. But in the meantime, let's connect at the smartrvier.com.